Can we talk about the dog? Can we talk about the dog for just one second? How it looks like a clan member? Mm-hmm. Like was ugh, keep going. I digress. Keep going. Tim Burton is so glow in the dark white that that probably never occurred to him. <laughs> yes, definitely. Sorry. It's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Four Eye Willie. In this week's episode, we are joined by Handsome Bane to discuss the trilogy arc of director Henry Selleck with the films James and the Giant Peach, A Nightmare Before Christmas, and Coraline. This episode flows way differently than what we typically do. This episode is more along the lines of good friends chopping it up over a couple of flicks. Naturally, Batman soundtrack conspiracy theories made the pod, because, duh. For October, we are covering Halloween suspense and spooky themes all month. But first, Henry Selleck. One take Cove. Speaking of fucking off, James and a Giant Peach. Uh, <laughs> I, I was... Have you read... That transition was too good. I have to <laughs> curb all my Roger Rabbit content now. God damn it. Oh, man. So let's get depressing and talk about James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> okay, so so this movie bummed you guys out like that? I loved this movie when I was a child. Okay. And then as an adult-ass woman this year, I realized that aesthetically I'm super into it. And the voice acting's pretty all right. And everything else I could take or leave. I'm leaving it's, this whole fucking thing. For, for Wait, me. Wait, even that, how did you describe it? Let me get this exact quote about how you described the peach. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> even that fat ass, that lot of wagon, that peach is dragon. Yo. Yeah, that, that peach did have a fat old You know, yeah. she, she thick dough. That piece was thick as a brick, boy. Oof. Thicker um, than, than oatmeal. Yeah, and so, like, the things that you say that you liked about it, though, kind of, like, most animated features, that's kind of what carries it for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, if those two are on, I can pretty much forgive other stuff until Randy Newman starts singing the song. I, I fucking hate Randy Newman, with everything my I got in. name is James. Oh my yeah. god! So my mother got that one is just lyrically abysmal as well, and, and like at least okay, at so least the one I, about love is like about love. What is I, that one about? I gave James the benefit of the doubt. For everything in that movie. <laughs> Literally his whole being in that movie. He's just, he's just trying to make it, man. Like, they're not, you know. He's just trying to make it. He, I thought he had a pretty positive outlook on life, regardless of, like, how. I mean, he was, like, nine. I would hope so. He was just a kid that wanted to go to New York City. That's my, 
my parents been murdered by a rhino. That kind of. <laughs> what's the explanation? Out of nowhere. A rhino that uh, shoots. I believe it was. We were I believe so it was chilling. We were. Uh, a, a rhinoceros appeared out of nowhere and gobbled them up. Any troubles, if they had any, were over in 25 seconds flat. And then it hard cuts to him in his family home with a, the two like, aunts. But yeah, no, my life is completely different. There's no rhyme or reason. This rhino just has a hard on for our, for our family. For, for murder, yeah. But like, um, I mean, listen, you saw, like, his parents were too sweet and too pure. They mm-hmm. had to die. It's a mad wholesome. Like, the yeah, there's just no way. Beat him like one time. And, uh, yeah. You know, just just slap him across the face like the dad and uh, uh, only yesterday. Um, they would just live just a little bit longer. The rhino would have seen it and been like, you know what? No. Like, hey, yeah. you're doing good. Is this, that's alone. is this movie just an allegory for how capitalism is going to bring us all down? <laughs> get those stupid dreams out of your head. Out get back your to work. And get back, back to work. work. Already wasted four minutes of daylight. Look at him, lollygagging in dreamland when there's so much work to do. Weeds to pull, wood to chop. Work, 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 work. I was so glad that we were able to move past the aunties like as quickly as we could because there's no way. There's no way I wouldn't have killed them in their sleep. (laughs) (laughs) As a young man, I would have automatically I don't know. I was I guess I was just wired differently. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get revenge. Wired differently as a youth. Hey, man, you're causing me pain, and I want you to die, so there's only one way to do this. You were me, and I I chose me. I choose me. Every time. Yeah, I I guess I feel that. I don't know. I'm into the animation, except when it weirdly turns into a Monty Python intro. (laughs) I did not like the music, particularly. I do like a lot of the, like, jazzy instrumental bits. Like, I think it has a, a strong musical identity. Unfortunately, its musical identity is just Randy Newman. Like Jerry God. Seinfeld, though, being like, Newman, like the whole time. It was so bad. I think that Miss Spider has, like, always been an aesthetic icon for me. And I also found out that she was voiced by Susan Sarandon this time. Susan so Sarandon. that explains oh. everything about me. In case you were wondering. I also like that occasionally, like, she just kind of drops, like, all of the other bugs are afraid of me, and I cannot change this. And I'm like, y'all were just singing Randy Newman together literally two and a half minutes ago, but okay, bet. Okay, she knows what it is. She knows the truth. There's a Jack Skellington in this movie for no reason, just hanging out, partying down, getting ready to kill a centipede. Yeah, I think yeah. the only line I genuinely laughed is when he was grabbed by the suspenders and he goes, oh, gee, I knew I should have worn a belt. <laughs> I, I right. thought the centipede was pretty hilarious. So when my four-year-old was um, four-month-old, I used to, like, hold her up, like, you know, in front of me and then, like, you know, puppeteer her, so to speak, yeah. um, to uh, to her older sister. And that was the voice I would use anytime she did anything. Like, 
What? I ain't doing nothing. Well, get out of the way. Any kind I of, say all, like, all of the five C's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything like that. It was, you know, that, that was Jordan's voice. And, you know, you can, did you know that you can tell children anything and they'll believe it? Oh, fuck me. Yeah. So, you know, be careful with that, guys. That, that's one thing I could impart to you. Like, don't, you know, harmfully lie to children because they'll buy it, um, unfortunately. If, if you've got a joke and it's just like a bit, you, you can do that. It's, it's perfectly fine. So do your kids like this movie? Uh, so I watched this with Jay. Jordan is scared of everything right now. Aww. Yeah, she can't deal with anything. She was watching, like, the, the Halloween episode of Big City Green. Nope. Thriller, nope. Oh, um, yeah. Thriller's, like, intense. So, right now, she's like, if it's scary, it's probably going to be, like, Thriller, so I don't want any parts of it. Jada watches a lot of movies. A whole lot of movies. So, I don't think this was really impressing her, but it, it was kind of like, I haven't been able to watch a movie with my dad in 80 days, so this is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Aww. so it's like... So, uh, but as far as like her liking it, I'm pretty sure she has the same Randy Newman complaints. Um, yeah, at least like the Princess and the Frog has a couple songs you can like sing. You know, yeah. even Toy Story has like a song you can sing, and I can get through like My Name Is J, and that's all I got from that one. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that I'm other one where it's like, holy kid. There's, you know, it's like, there's oh. the, the peach eating song, which like I acknowledge exists, but if you paid me a million dollars right now and were like sing some of that, I got nothing. And then there's I'm that other one where they're millionaire today. They're like love, and that's all I got from that one too. And that's only because they repeat that little like love vaudeville moment like 97 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really couldn't speak to whether or not this was like something that she would watch again. Just like you know, I'm a pop in this James and Johnny Peach. Or if it's just, like, you know, attached to something. Um, Read her the book. Or, or alternately just yeet a copy of the book at her. Yeah, yeah, no, she she reads. Yeah. She reads. Does she want my copy of the book? I have one. Check it out. I was, sure. a pl- I was in a play version of this when I was a child. Now, this I seems like this it would thing. be a super fun play to put on. I was. Do you guys want to guess who I was? Spider. It is in their nature to have fear of me. This I cannot change. That's a layup. It's not a layup. But I got a super... First of all, I had a black dress with a purple spider web in it, and it was very, very chic. But I also... It had, like, little PVC arms. So when I moved, my little spider arms (laughs) moved. Hilarious. And my mom made it, because she's great. I love when we talk about baby cat. Oh, so are we burning this movie or nah? This piece of shit movie or nah? Jeez. I mean, I, well, is there is there anything? Well, like all like joking aside, is there anything really to kind of extrapolate from this movie? Like, cause yeah. I don't got it. Are you mm-hmm. asking in terms of like, does this need to make some sort of large dramatic point, a la like the farewell, or are you saying like, well, will this entertain your kids for an hour and a half? Because they're playing completely different ball games at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of a middle ground of like, can it one will it entertain your children, and two, can your children actually learn like a life lesson from watching this movie? I think I think it's yes and no. I Um, think it's yes and yes, but it's a very basic life lesson. It's a super basic because James doesn't have to grow. 
he already has a like a pure he's he's a pure-hearted kid already and it's like nothing that has happened to him like he doesn't deserve any of it he's not the no. boy who cried wolf but he does <laughs> so like, like he just makes the grow. best of yeah not a lot but like he overcomes some challenges and he opens himself up to love again and like it pays off it's all good i think when i was watching this movie i really wanted to not feel like i was being a dickhead for not liking this movie because i think it's like it's one thing to be a 34 year old adult watching a kid's movie and then there's another thing to kind of be in the kid's eye of like watching this movie because i remember when this came out but i don't remember this movie at all like i'm very sure i watched this on hbo when i was 11 but when i was 12 i like completely forgot about this movie i think it's a really great basic kids movie and i think that it is not good for adults in the way Mm -hmm. that like i could watch moana a thousand times hell i could watch nightmare before christmas a thousand times or Coraline. but like it's a good kids flick yeah and it also i think captures the irreverence of rolled doll in a way that isn't gross i feel like and don't get me wrong, I love Tim Burton's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and you're going to have to forgive my Tim Burton Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory tangent that's going to happen next week. But that movie is capitalisty and gross. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of what is really good about Roald Dahl and sprinkles all the like Tim Burton-isms in it. And you know what those Tim Burton-isms do? Sell movie tickets. And They're toys. not there... They're not there to be artistic flair. They're there to sell movie seats. At the same time, I think that movie is honestly severely underrated. But anyway, so, like, I think this does a really nice job of even though a lot of, like, there are no, there's a no mechanical shark pirate ship thing in the book. But, like, it's just another fun adventure thing to pad out what is otherwise a story of I get from point A to point B. I grow a little bit as a person. Also, my friends are bugs. The last question to ask about this movie, can you guys survive three whole days with just eating peaches and nothing else? It, I mean, is the alternate starvation? Because, yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, or I cannibalism. Mean, it, it would wreck your, in, in, uh, your intestinal. Uh, oh, <laughs> your guts. You might never shit solid again. Ever. Ever. So that's a but whole hey. lot of acid to be taken in. But, but hey. Um, I've At done least worse. you got love. I've done worse. You got love. See, see, college Eric done oh, much worse. But you weren't consuming just copious amounts of sugar and water, and that's it. Like you were doing that other is, things. Nah. It, it was. It was. You know, there were noodle. definitely some times in college where it was sugar, water, and alcohol for me. So like. <laughs> Noodles it's and... just Midori for okay, three no, 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 no. straight what, what's, days. What's, what's the brokest meal you've ever had? Uh, say college or you know, let's let's give it college. Ooh, a uh, spoon of peanut butter. Damn, you real? So here's actually a fire poor meal. If you have like rice or like dollar rice, minute rice, you oh, do you like rich. some some minute rice, tuna, and barbecue sauce. <laughs> Like, oh, and he was eating good. Uh, yeah, see, that's why I went for that spoon of peanut butter, man. Yeah, he was eating like a king. The cat was trying to get the basic amount of food, like the, the Jesus. super basic, like protein at its most. Like, <laughs> ouch. 
can't even eat the spoon. I'm going to go with, and this was like super piecemeal. We had the bottom, the bare bottom of a Philly cheese uh, container. Okay, scrape Philly cheese container scrapings, um, jelly jar scrapings, an old El Paso taco kit. Oh my god! Just like to where we took out the the tortillas in that boy and made um, minute cheesecake is what I called it. Because it was hey hey we live to fight another day. Christ. Hiya, Puddins. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it. It's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff. And if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or Theater from Our Butts. Have a good day, Puddins, and love, trust, and belief. So, Kat, you're in love with Nightmare Before Christmas? I'm not in love with it, but I think it's really solid. I think it's it's well done, and after, I don't know, 50 watches in my lifetime, I think it holds up. You watch on the 50 times. You gotta uh, love it at that point. Yeah, I, I, it's, I got about one and a half. Well, for me, I it's a movie that right. I can have on in the background and just kind of tune into and, like know exactly where we are in the story. Yeah. It's like a movie that I just like, I like the music enough that I don't really get tired of the music. I like the aesthetics enough that I don't really get tired of the aesthetics. It's a background movie for me. If we're counting all the times that I sat down and watched it, you know, like for content, then the number's probably a lot lower. You said you only watched this one and a half times in your entire life? One and a half times in life. About, I would say the half for this particular pod i think when this came out i was like trying to be too cool for disney around this time <laughs> in life so um it didn't it didn't grab me that way so but again the song the music mwah, chef's kiss uh shout out to our guy hero beats who sampled the kidnap mr santa claus beat that you hear sometimes where it's like a podcast or whatever. If you listen real close, you might hear somebody doing a Harley Quinn impression. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, we actually got the real Harleen Quinzel to do a voice on, to, to do a spot there. Yeah, it was it was a community service thing for, for part of her Arkham junk. So super dope. But yeah, like you can you can do that with any of those songs there. You can make a hip hop sample that is just lying underneath all the time. So um, that was dope. As far as, like, the confusion of the straddling the two holidays, like, you know, I feel like this movie was a dare. It was like, you know, how are we going to make a Halloween and a Christmas movie? Which one is it going to be? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I was, I, I'm a proponent of rewarding big swings. 
and for people who love it, you're, you, you know, you hot topic weirdos. Um, oh, I'm that there's some meaning between the Jack Skellington gloves in May, whatever, more power to you. I love you. Don't. I feel like now's a really bad time to mention that I went to a Nightmare Before Christmas themed rave and was Jackie Skellington. That sounds fire. And I had a Sal. I was ja- we were Jackie and Sal instead of Sally and Jack. Mm. No, nah, that sounds fire. No, nah, that's fine. It's fine because I know you. <laughs> no, nah, it's you're it's not fire. one of them. Oh, it's fire because it's fire, Eric. Come on now. Now, so so, is there anyone who can explain the whole Jack Skellington phenomena to me? Because I don't know. It's just like one day I just kind of noticed all these guys. All these people coming out of Hot Topic and, you know, being sad and wearing Jack Skellington. I don't know if like, that's part of the culture or what. Can I take a stab at this? Is yeah, something? go ahead. I've only watched this twice in my entire life. Once yesterday and then once sometime in, like, 1993. I legit think this movie is definitely an allegory for what appropriation looks like in action. Like, he saw something that he was attracted to. He didn't, he claims he, like, read everything about it, but he wasn't really fully engaged with it. Not enough to really know what it was all about. He amalgamated it to what his experience was, and then totally flipped it to some other shit that was completely opposite of what it should have been. And he looks cool. So I think it registers a lot with, like, different people. I also think it's a really well-fleshed-out world. All three of the worlds, really, the human world, Christmas Town, and Halloween Town, are just very full. Like, there's tons of characters in each world. There's tons of locations in each world. Each one feels like a world in a way that is, like, kind of... Like, they could have gone in depth with any of those and yeah. had, like, a full meaty movie, yeah. But also, at the same time, like, Jack Skellington is peak misunderstood weirdo sad boy hours. Nice work, Bone Daddy. Yeah, I guess so. Just like last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. <laughs> yes, definitely keep going. Like, all right, where where do I even start? It's gonna think I hate men again. Um, all right, cool. So <laughs> it's okay if you do. They're trash. Men are mega trash, bro. I'm, Let's start I'm at the beginning. trying to evolve into like something else. So basically, know, Let's start at the very beginning. Not only is this like a sad boy fantasy, it's also a power fantasy because he's the fucking king of the realm. Like he's in charge. Yeah, Bitches are throwing themselves at him, left, right, and center, baby. He makes the creature from the Black Lagoon wet. Like it's a whole thing. Like whatever. So he he's the queen of England, but a sad Shakespeare boy. Also, he's got a dog that shows that he has, like, responsibility and shit, and, like, men always aspire for that. It shows that he's got responsibility, right? Like, great. He, he like, talks about how tortured he is. Great. Goth men love that shit. He also talks about Shakespeare. See above statement about goth men loving that shit. But, like, he learns and evolves and becomes a better person, but also gets away with straight up murdering the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And, like, his actions have consequences, but every, but not really, because everyone still loves him. And, like I said, he straight up murdered that person. And also he gets the girl. And, like, also his dog is still alive. And, like, really all he gets is a slap on the wrist from Santa and then snow, which, like, all right, bet. 
So, like, here's what happens. He starts as the king. He tries something. He fucks up. He's, like, ultimate sad boy hours. And his actions actually have no consequences. He is the ultimate goth sad boy fantasy. And, yes, I have a similar take on Edward Scissorhands. Coming next week, baby. Um, Bring it on. <laughs> so, so the like, moral of the story, sad boys, is cheer fucking up, man. You know, get we'll, a job. That's the thing, right? I think Sally is a lot of people's, like, ideal female partner as well, and I hate saying that, but it's like, she's resourceful, but not too much. She's smart, but not too much, and, like, she's always trying to, like, lift him up. It's never about her. What was her storyline about being kidnapped by the crippled doctor? No, she's, like, she's a Frankenstein. Yeah. He made her. Yeah. She tried to escape. She tried to kill him, like... A yeah, bunch of times. times. Yeah. <laughs> For her freedom, and yeah. he chose not to die. Listen, if you know, if you have to kill for your freedom, uh, do it. Um, and uh, just keep on doing it, man. If they just, you know, if they're gonna do is just yell at you, do it, man. Do it till you kill them. And, and good for you, man. I'm with you. Something I'm mad at. Jack didn't have any consequences. Why should she? You know, she let's do it. Powerful enough to be attractive as the empowered woman. But, like, also subservient enough that, like, your sad boy is going to maintain his daddy dominance. So, like, mm, I don't know that I love the gender roles of this still. Also, I've realized that I've never really been in this movie for Jack and Sally. I've always been in it for Lock, Shock, and Barrel and Oogie Boogie. Like, they're who I care about. They're who I get excited about. Every time I see the bathtub sprout its little feet, I'm like, yay! And, like, I get that. That's who I am. I'm a side character person in this movie. I like the creepy little, like, teddy bear doll that they give one of the kids who starts, like, trying to eat them. I like a lot of the, like, minutiae and kind of ancillary world building that exists in this. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod, in that dimension or this one, the Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki, aka The Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports, and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki is named as his Cretan of the Week, and find something valuable in the Shred Commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. What kind of balls does Tim Burton have to slap his name all over the thing but then not actually direct okay. it? This is all his sketches. And his design work. He wrote this poem when he worked at Disney. It's based off a poem. Surprise, Tim Burton is a sad boy. Sad Um, boy. Tim Burton wrote this poem with all these illustrations when he worked at Disney. And because media is media is media is media, they owned everything he created. Oh. Yeah, that's how it works when you're a writer at a corporation. If you write something while you're with them, they legally own it. Christ. So he actually came back and directed Frankenweenie, which he wrote before Nightmare Before Christmas, but Disney thought was going to be less profitable than Nightmare. I believe he was busy. What 
was he busy making while this was happening? Uh, true lie? No, not true lies. Goddamn. Um, this this was Batman Returns is like ninety two, wasn't it? Yeah, this is ninety three. So, so it's, it's, it lines up. Yeah, so he was like busy being like the highest paid director in the world and shit at this point. He was knocking him out like around that. It was like every year, bang, yeah, burden, 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 what up? So like he's kind of busy. Um, also, can we please appreciate that I just searched Tim Burton and he's uh, IMDb just said also listed as Timmy Burton. Oh, <laughs> Timmy Burton. He's oh, he's so what? down to earth. What? What did he, re- what did he direct as Timmy Burton? Like Larry yeah. Fishburne? <laughs> right, yeah, right. God, I just was talking about that. About Larry Fishburne. Um, yeah, he was... So he did Batman Returns in 92, and he was also in pre-production for Edward. And also, like, yes, he only executive produced this, but he did sign off on every character design, like, every everything, because this is all stuff that did come out of his... Uh, I believe the youth call it twisted imagination. Uh, so like whatever, you know. I also not for nothing, but he's so bad at like deep emotional cores of stories that aren't just like I'm sad. That oh, like yeah. I'm not sure he could have done with this script what needed to be done, considering Jack started sad, but like proud but sad and ended like happy but proud but sad like that's a subtle enough shift in character that i don't know that tim burton could have done that yeah you've either got to bulldoze through to sad town or you gotta start happy and then bulldoze through to sad town we're probably gonna step on next week but fuck it uh where do we put burton's run from 85 until like even 95, like that whole 10 year run, like was that just one of the most ultimate runs in Hollywood for that 10 year gap or is it just two sad boy hours? I think that, Um, I think that that's pretty fucking close to God tier. What what, what did we have in those 10 years? Yeah. 85, we had Pee Wee, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, 88, Beetlejuice, 89, Batman, 90 Edward Scissorhands, 92 Batman Returns, 93 World Tribute, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and then 94 Ed Wood, which I I legit don't even remember Ed Wood, but it was like a super like at least critically acclaimed movie enough yeah, to yeah, get yeah. like like nominations and shit. And yeah, 96 is Mars Attacks. Yeah, 96 is Mars Attacks. Mm. So it's like right there too. For me. I think that there's a lot of sad boy hours in there, but there's also a lot of beautiful aesthetic escalation of the medium. There's a lot of him growing as a director. There's a lot of good comedy. There's a lot of good action. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Everything. Yeah. I think that he at least was and sometimes still is one of the best directors of of the 20th and 21st century. Don't get me wrong. I could live a long and happy life without ever watching 2008's Alice in Wonderland again. Like, the uh, longest and happiest life. If we take that 11-year period, and we let's say we just give him Ed Wood, that's eight for eight. Yeah. yeah. Like, Sweeney Todd is great. Dark Shadows is not great, but it's really fun uh, to, like, watch when you're drunk. Frankenweenie is excellent. 
Big Eyes is actually better than I thought it was. Like, I, I remember watching it and being like, ugh. But then I, like, watched it again recently, and I was like, all right, sir. Big Fish, I feel like, is serially underrated. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Corpse Bride fucking slaps. Miss Peregrine is bad, and Dumbo is bad, but I think they're both bad because of levels of studio interference. Mm-hmm. I don't think that his vision is necessarily bad. I won't say he's still got it, but there's definitely still some it in there, at least. Eric, what does burden mean to you, if anything? Probably more to me in my youth, you know? Apart from all of the other, like, there's a whole lot of sentimental Big Brother shit in there, which I won't get into right here, right now. But um, I can close my eyes and watch Batman 89 whenever I want. Hell yeah. Okay. It's up there. It's been burned in the hard drive. So, like, that was formative. And just, like, the stuff that went over my head, stuff the stuff that I then got later in my later watches of 89 and just, like, oh, no, wait, these are masterful performances. Like, I prefer Batman not talk. You know what I mean? Well, not even that, because I had seen, you know, I had seen 66 Batman first which I love yeah. just because it was just Batman content as a kid. But then, you know, he would like, you know, Adam West, Batman, like to stop and pontificate and ponder things for a minute. And then it was, you know, you give me this molded plastic Batman that can, you know, has, has his car going and do dirty work. Like, hell yeah, I'm here for that. And then, um, turn so doesn't need to, doesn't need to. I'm just kicking all the ass that's in front of me. Nothing is getting past me. I'm the goddamned Batman, and I don't say a whole lot of nothing, you know? Like, I know that everybody is uh, kind of prisoners to the moment of Keith. I get it. And some of you guys are prisoners to the moment of this Joaquin, Arthur, yeah, this Joaquin stuff. Oh, that's, that's cute. But fucking, this guy Whoa. was the Joker, bro. Like, Jack, he was, Jack, Jack is was my Joker. Joker. Like, the yeah. fact that he shot down his bat plane just so he could get off the. You wouldn't you punch a guy with glasses, would you, Jake? It's like, that's all Joker, bro. Like, that's. Like, the fact. Just, just for him getting backed up by Prince soundtrack. Like, and, yeah, oh my yeah, god. Even, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Aren't we talking about this next week? Should we. Should we throw this in next week's episode? Should this be our intro? I used to watch this with my boy, and then, like, right as Trust goes off, it's like, Trust. And then he just snatches the microphone, and he's just like, it's like, yo, this is, he's in tune, dog. Like, it's like, is he listening to this right now? Because, you know, between Party Man, Trust, uh, you want to know the best part about Prince's involvement in this, though? And I wish this had happened. Initially, this was going to be a double album. It wasn't all going to be soundtrack. It was going to be a double album. And one side was going to be Batman and one side was going to be Joker. And each one was going to have a totally different music profile. That would have been a heater. How long exactly did it take him to record the soundtrack that he recorded? I have no idea. Literally, like, what was it, like a week? 
Well, I think the issue is that the movie ran out of money because superhero movies weren't, like, successful yet. Like, if if they had gone to him for returns and been like, all right, you want to do that now, it might have been different. But he didn't want to do that then because he had been burned before and blah, blah, blah. And also, like, I was going to say, I guess he didn't like Michelle Pfeiffer, but then I thought about that for a second and went, uh, I don't think he was blind. He was had only sound Kim of him. Basinger at that point in time? Yeah, it was Kim. Yeah, it was yeah, Kim. He, was, yeah, it was he, him had him, he had, like, sound of him boning Kim Basinger. And he was going to put that into some song. Yeah. <laughs> also, for, for those of you listening at home who want to submit what I should do for Halloween, if you say Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman, get the fuck off my podcast. Hilarious. You guys are basic. That's me. Uh, I, I had someone who was like I, Black Cat from Spider Man, and I was like, Could you do? Damn. No. Listen, you don't. That's not stuff you request. Like you, you, you just wait for somebody to grace you with that or, whole lot. Or you pay for it for them. Or you pay for it. Or you pay for it. Uh, do you guys believe this? You can say Prince is full of shit if you want, but in 2001, he initially said the album, it could have been a collaboration between him and Michael Jackson. The no. Batman album? Yeah, like Michael yes. Michael would have been Batman and, and Prince would have been Joker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I would have okay, shit. But Michael did try to buy Marvel Comics with Stan Lee like four separate times. I think he would have fucking done it. No, Mike. I, I think Michael would have been all for it, and then Prince would have just been like, "Psych, no, I'm out." And then like flown away on like a like a, a, a helicopter umbrella or some shit. He lived for trolling Mike. Like he was yeah, he, always he didn't hate Mike. Yeah, he didn't hate Mike, but he what was. If, what if the thing is, he's like, "You're Batman. You're Batman. You're Batman." And then they released the album, and the sides were switched, and it was like he did the Joker side. That is something that he would do. I feel like that would have been that he would have been like, nah. He would have been like, no, these are the Batman songs. Feel the vibe, feel the energy. And then it would have been like, sucks, sucks, smile ex bitch. Like, Prince, Prince, why am I singing about kidnapping right now? (laughs) The youth will love it, I presume. Like, he would like drive off in a locomotive or some shit. Like, some. Some weird shit, like some weird mode of transportation that nobody else uses, like the fucking pump thing on the on the fucking tracks. <laughs> him just pump, like, very slowly getting away while Mike just like cried or something. He was so sensitive. Well, while he instructed Bubbles to pick him up and run after him. <laughs> oh my god. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Walk up. Wama On hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Oh wait, please listen to hyphenation. Thanks, y'all. I love the podcast, so please, please, please try to join. But if you know. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now? 
Speaking of uh, suffocating. So kill me. Coraline? Hey, all right. Fuck it, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I, it was not quite a Mark Robb pivot. I'm sorry, listeners at home. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that they don't hear any of that until uh, deleted scenes. scenes. Deleted scenes five. Yeah, it's like, yeah, of course. Deleted scenes five is just all of us being dirty old men. I mean, I'm with the shit, so you know that. So <laughs> gross. Well, uh, I don't, I don't know. Apparently, I hate men, so maybe I should just go all in on being <laughs> pro women. <laughs> hey, being pro women, there's literally nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, I women are also exhausting. Like, at least most men are kind of dumb. But, like, I don't know if you heard, Eric, but apparently I hate men. I, I heard something like that, but, uh... Yeah, apparently I was the last to know. I wouldn't hold movie men to high standards if I didn't know that most of them were designed to be desirable to the to the youth. Right. That's, and like, that's at the end of the I day, come... I want my, my women and girls to aspire to a high standard right. of men. I want men to aspire to high standards. I want exactly. I I would also like that, but I realize I have slightly less control over that. Like, I'm not great at being an in. I'm not a man influencer. I'm a girl influencer. Um. Hey guys, it's me, Kiachinetti. Sup, fam. Gross. Hi, I'm Cat. It's half Harley, and it's real uncomfy. Speaking of Snatch, I'm going to need you guys to talk about Coraline for me. Because I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I was supposed to watch it, but uh, my internet situation, I could not watch it. So I'm going to let you guys take over talking about Coraline. Sure. For one, I was able to watch Coraline with my friend at my friend's house. And that was fun. Um, yeah. That's outdoor theater uh, extravaganza. So that was super cool and a very dope way to experience it. I mean, Coraline, I, uh, the film itself, I mean, classic, you know, what else am I really going to add to it? I other think than, this um, is the pinnacle of his animation, though. Mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. everything else we watched built to this. It was all the best parts of everything that they had to offer from the other movies. That, like, I realized for the first time with this viewing that the other mother's hands I knew her, like, fingernails were sewing needles, but her whole hand... Yeah, the whole... Yeah. ...is made of sewing needles. And so that little... That noise that it makes when it's walking along is the same mm. noise you make if you drop your needles a on a floor. Needles, like, yeah. it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It, or even I, the I, noise I, it makes when she taps on her eye. Yeah. The audio was definitely felt like a like another character because it was... You know, even if you didn't have surround sound, it was behind you. Yeah. You know, it's like you had that kind of impending doom where, you know, we, we see stories all the time where everything is like too good to be true. You know that this is going to turn out bad in the end. Coraline is all of that. But then it's just like, yeah, but when is that shoe going to drop and how? The and thing I, that I also love about it is... It's so inspired by the illustrations in the novella, but also are so unique. So mm-hmm. even if you know the story, that foreboding exists, right? Right. Because in the illustrations, you don't see the other mother get like taller. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see the whole world. 
because she's already creepy as all hell. Like, even, you know, in good other mother state to where we're supposed to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. But then, you know, you get lulled. And then it's just like, oh, no, it gets worse. Like, um, um, uh, she's already creepy enough. And then just like transformations and that sort of thing. The, I feel like she transformed twice. Didn't she? She got taller and then it was like. Well, she it she transformed a couple times because she started like looking just like the other mother. Then she got a little skinnier and a little prettier. Yeah. And then she got like gaunt. And then she got tall. Monstrous. And then she yeah. became like a spider. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, all that metamorphosis still, you know it's going to get bad. Okay, this is, but this isn't even my final form kind of feeling right. that you get from it. Um, yeah, like, I, I loved it to where it was like, okay, so is she just formless? Can she just do whatever? And it's like, it, horror is always better when you don't know what it is. Yeah. You know I mean? Like Jaws is way better before you see the shark. Or you know, I mean? like Yeah. Michael Myers would be like way doper if you never see him run. And... I will I will just <laughs> say that the the Beldum is a Gaelic tale for or like a Gaelic story about an old woman who takes the form of the thing you want the most in the world to like lure you into a hole. And uh Neil Gaiman has a couple of stories that have like beldums in the, he he loves that shit i don't know if he's got issues with his mom i don't maybe really care he writes I mean, good books if we're talking sad boys oh neil yeah he's the saddest of the boys also i said neil gaiman enough times that my phone is like do you want to listen to the dresden dolls which is his <laughs> wife's cabaret <laughs> punk band that is a very specific genre so anyway, Coraline's a bop. Coraline's always going to be a bop. Speaking of boppage, for someone like me, who obviously James and Giant Peach very dismiss, for me, Nightmare Before Christmas, I think I didn't actually really talk about if I liked it or not. Like I think it was a solid movie. Mm-hmm. It's something I'll legit probably never going to watch again, but I can see why people aesthetically would be very drawn to it. Do you guys think I'm going to like this movie, Coraline? Coraline, you will. Yep. Coraline, you will like. There's um, a, a much bigger emotional backbone in this movie. Yeah. And, like, um, backbone than there are in the other ones. Mm-hmm. We didn't even discuss, like, Wyborn or the, uh, the biddies. Because, again, we get, like, two old women who are, like, supportive. Like, everybody in this movie is supportive to Coraline. Except, except for, your parents. Except for her parents, who I think they went a little heavy-handed on the parents. Like maybe I, I know you were saying the book because I never read the book. Um, that the book that that the mom is just busy. Yeah, they're just busy. They're just busy. I'm currently going through that right now. Also, the dad went to Michigan State. Go green. And <laughs> and I felt that. So it's like I know that like there I would have liked. Maybe, and I know the movie is called Coraline, but maybe we get like, you know, a shot of the parents being concerned that Coraline's gone or noticing that Coraline isn't there or saying like, hey, man, we really should do something with Coraline. We've been really busy. Uh, 
That's one of those things, though, that in the book, it's less of an issue because in the book, she's only going to like the through the tunnel in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and she wakes up in her bed every morning. Right. So it's not like, where's our kid? It's like they never know she's gone. So when she disappears and they're also kidnapped, they think she's still at home. Right. But like that's blown over. That's that's the one issue that I have with the movie is that there's a lot more. All of the questions that I left the movie with are answered in the book. Right. And I yeah, get that. Because they're like, set you know, up for those questions. Mm-hmm. And then they don't, they don't exactly pay off on everything. Right. But at the same time, the aesthetics of this movie are perfect, I think. Mm-hmm. They translate so well. And the difference between the world is so subtle and so clear at the same time. That yeah. in both worlds, you feel like you have to squint to figure out what like is real. Yeah, and the different versions of one thing to the other is just like it's just like a dirty mirror kind of thing mm-hmm. that you get. It's like only a slight perversion here or there. Like the again we're talking about why well with the eyes being buttons and everybody's eyes being buttons in the other world where it's just like I found myself getting used to that and being like mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's just their eyes. Like it's it's weird, but it's it's the way they do it over there in, in the other world versus like, you know, when you first it, it gets you so and I talked about being lulled. It gets you so acclimated to both worlds like you kind of go seamlessly hopping back and forth. Yeah. And so, you know, when you see the difference of the the rats versus the little mice from one world to the other. And it's just like ugh, like dirty mirror effect kind of thing. Yeah. So, I I think this movie is great. I think it uses its storytelling to, like, escalate the narrative. And I also think it uses the narrative to justify the visuals. And to me, I think that this is the most, like, complete of the films. Mm -hmm. Okay. I also think that even though it's only rated PG, because it's not, like, particularly gory, it's fucking terrifying. Yes. I definitely had to, like provide some gratis therapy for friends who had not seen it yet and spent the whole time after the movie being like what if my mother is a redacted and doesn't ever love me and hasn't ever loved and i was like they're there it okay don't be cry so i think it really effectively tells its story and uses its emotional narrative and its side characters really well to further this narrative about this little girl. Every character has its opposite. And, like, sometimes you have to wait to figure out, like, oh, shit, like, well, except for one. But, um, you know, the cat is, you know, jumps both, you know, back and Keith forth. Keith David! Shout out to Keith David. Doing the most. Uh-huh. Is just really dope to, um, to see like that. And you have to have that one thing that remains the same. Even if it changes just a little bit, it's like, no, I know all the same stuff from one world to the other. So it's nothing that like frustrates me more than when people don't believe a kid in a movie and yep. because I'm the audience, because I'm the audience, I'm privy to that knowledge. But like the kid constantly is like, like, I believe if my kids were like There's a monster in my closet. I go and I check the closet. Yeah. Get up and check the fucking closet, please, dog. Like your job is to protect your children, your babies. Like even if you don't think it's a thing. 
if they think yeah. it's a thing, it's real to them. Like, like always in, in real life, like if your kids think thing is happening, it is your duty to go in there in major pain and shoot into their closet and say, if it's still in there, he ain't happy. Like, yeah, it's it's up to you to take those two extra seconds. It's, it's so, it just takes, like, the kid isn't trying to be annoying. The kid is scared to death, probably. So, like, yeah. just take the second. Or, you know, then the fucking real boogeyman jumps out and stashes your kid. And they're like, oh, I Don't fucking say you should have done anything. Just do it and be done with it. Right. Damn it. Speaking of boogeyman, I'd also like to give a, a shout out to uh, Ken Page as Oogie Boogie in Nightmare. Because I think he is the best vocal performance in that movie by a landslide. Well, well, well. What have we here? Santa Claus, huh? Ooh, I'm really scared. So you're the one everybody's talking about. <laughs> you're joking. You're joking. I can't believe my eyes. You're joking me. You gotta be. This can't be the right guy. He's ancient. He's ugly. I don't know which is worse. I might just split a seam now if I don't die laughing first. Mr. Oogie Boogies. Didn't he have a feet fetish? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything else about any of the movies that we watch. It's it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We did it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Yo. Next week, we're discussing Who definitely doesn't have any weird fetishes. No, sir. No. None. No. None fetish left beef. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, he was like the, the, the boogeyman. He like... um. He, like, had a torture and a foot fetish. I'm like, whoa, buddy, whoa. And a gambling problem. <laughs> yeah. Listen, really he's got to be able to afford his lavish lifestyle of having many... Get therapy now. Listen. Follow Kat at Kat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Follow Marcus at Showin' Mad Love. S H O W I N M A D L O V on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. And join our We Should Do This Again Sometime Facebook group. Read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and The Mark Rob. T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress. Com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?